Hey y'all, I'm Anna Sakara, And I'm Kendall Barger. And you're listening to Intuitive Adulting. Our mission is to equip you with the intuitive tools you need to explore things like your inner child, higher purpose, and spirituality, while also navigating adulty things like your annoying boss, grocery lists, and dirty laundry. Your life doesn't have to be filled with I should or I have to. Fill it up with I dream and I want to, and then make it happen with intuitive adulting. Hey, hi, hello, and welcome to the Intuitive Adulting Podcast. We are on type two of our Enneagram and Tarot series, and we're going to be talking about Enneagram type two and then the Empress and the Lovers. Yes, but before we get started with that, we are going to share our wins and fails for this week. So Anna, I believe it is your turn to share a win. Yes, my big win right now is something that I've talked to a lot of people about and it feels very relevant to our adulting struggles. I have friends from college and I have friends from high school And I've made friends. My husband and I moved to North Carolina five years ago, and we've made a couple friends since then, but I haven't found like my people. So my win is over this past summer, like I said, last episode, we were in Florida and we met some really incredible people down there. And it was the first time I really allowed myself to fully allow people to become my friends, to let them really inside, like personally. And I think what has really helped with that is being willing to be myself, like no barriers, no boundaries. And I have truly been doing a lot of work on myself the past five to 10-ish years. So this summer really was evidence for me that I can find, as an adult, I can find awesome friends and be really close to them and I got a lot of evidence this summer. I also have awesome evidence with Kendall because we met this year. (laughs) When you allow yourself to show up as your authentic self, you have no idea the relationships that the universe can hand you. So I am feeling very blessed with the people in my life right now. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah, I can second that. I was actually talking to my business coach about this yesterday on my weekly one-on-one call about how... There's so many people out there now, and I'm so lucky to have them in my life, Anna being one of them, that I feel so authentically connected to because, as Anna said, I've shown up just, this is me. I'm not trying to put on a mask. I'm not trying to people please. I'm not trying to just fit in with the group and hide who I am. You know, I'm not getting wrapped up in some codependent relationship, which I'm like really starting to reflect on and unpack and learn more about. But then what's funny is most of these people I've just met online. <laughs> like I haven't actually met them in person. My friend Megan, she's doing a whole road trip to help one of her friends move across the country. And she's going to be in Dallas in September. So I get Woo! to like actually meet her in person. And we're so excited. It's like such a big deal. <laughs> Yes, I know. It's so strange that COVID has really made that totally acceptable. Like it's totally Mm -hmm. cool for us to make friends online where it used to be like, oh, you met that person online. There's definitely still that. Yeah. (laughs) But I feel like it's more and more like kind of okay. 
And I love that. Really, you can find friends anywhere. Yeah. And this is something that I talk to clients about a lot. It's like, how do I find people who are going to elevate my life? Like, I'm Mm -hmm. sick of the people who drag me down. Yeah. What I advise them is typically if you find yourself meeting similar people over and over again, the people who pull out the not awesome pieces of you. My guess is there's something there that you're not working on. There's something there that you're not processing. And these people keep trying to teach you a lesson. Yeah. Like the, the universe is trying to give you a lesson here. Explore that. Yeah. So embrace the fact that you are fully empowered to attract the people into your life who are going to give you everything you desire in a relationship. It is possible. And I am learning that more and more deeply this year, especially. There are some people who have stuck with me for a really long time and I am lucky to have met them so early in my life and there are other people that I feel so blessed that they've come into my life through this process that I've been going through. A lot of people will call it an awakening. My, through my awakening, I have met some really freaking beautiful souls. So, I'm very grateful for that. What a good win. So, my fail actually was just this morning. I'm just going to recount what happened this morning and it's kind of a win or excuse me, it's kind of a fail that I like I'm going to turn into a win. I'm not trying to cheat here and get out of holding myself accountable, but I think it's, well, anyways, I'll just tell my story. So I woke up this morning and I was really cold. I was like freezing in my bed, but you know, when you wake up and like maybe you're cold or maybe you're hot or maybe like you need to pee or you need water, like there's something, there's something your body needs to make you feel better but you're too tired or you don't want to get out of bed. You don't want the morning to start. You don't want to acknowledge that you are awake. So you try and like suppress that, (laughs) whatever is, whatever your body is telling you that it needs. And so then you're stuck in this sleep purgatory where you're like, okay, I'm in my bed, which is great, but I'm uncomfortable for whatever reason. So this sucks. (laughs) So that was my morning this morning. I was cold and there's a blanket right next to me but there were like books on it and stuff on it and I just I didn't want to get up and so I just stayed in my cold purgatory of my bed until finally Max was like I've had enough and it's time to get up and I probably stayed there for like an hour guys I mean that's an hour of my life that I'm never gonna get back I, I didn't sleep I didn't get up and start my day I just laid there for an hour kind of cold but not cold enough to actually do something about it anyways <laughs> so that's kind of the fail and so I get up half asleep half awake I'm cranky and I'm just like Bleh, just you know gross and so I <laughs> I get some coffee and I go outside to my parents backyard so this is where I kind of turn this story into a win I just like sat outside it was warm outside that's why I went outside I was like I'm cold I'm gonna go outside (laughs) and our neighbors that back up to our yard they are currently ripping up their whole backyard to install a pool so they have some sort of construction vehicle I don't I don't know what it is. It's not like a giant bulldozer. It's like a little mini one. I don't know. We're going to call it a bulldozer. (laughs) I don't actually know that that's what it is. but A baby bulldozer. Yeah, this is not a construction podcast. So so, like that thing's up and running and it's, you know, you know, it's just going back and forth and I can see it over the fence and it just looks really funny. And Max, my dog, is just running around. I mean, he, I mean, he's just loving it, living his best life, like running around. Like he has to sniff all the trees. He has to go check out all of his digging spots. He's chasing squirrels. He's like checking out the bulldozer thing. I mean, he is just 
running around loving his life and then buddy who's our family dog who is a little wiener dog he's just trying to like follow max and he's just skirting along just trying to follow max he just doesn't know what's going on and so eventually he comes back and he wants to snuggle with me and it just was a really funny tableau like this construction going on in the background these two dogs that are just very different dogs very different sizes like running around yeah, I was just kind of able to like reclaim my morning, reclaim my energy. And I was just like, this is funny. My life is funny right now. And I'm just going to sit in this, drink my coffee, dry and wake up, enjoy and be so thankful for the sun on my skin right now. And we're, we're moving on. Like <laughs> we grow, we, we evolve. So that's my fail that I kind of turned into a win. Well, and it's such a good metaphor for especially a lot of what we're going through right now where people have been cold and uncomfortable, but not so uncomfortable that they're willing to get out of the metaphorical bed. Maybe this is a job for you or a relationship or a housing situation, whatever it is, the thing that is mildly uncomfortable enough to not allow you to feel good, but also not so bad yet that you actually take action. I think the message is like, you can reclaim your comfort you can reclaim your sense of happiness in the small thing. Sun on your face. Literally, this can be your uplift for the moment. So yeah, I love that story. So let's get started. Enneagram 2. I will start us off by just talking a little bit about Enneagram 2. But then Anna, I want you to take over because Anna has the fun experience of living in the head of a two when she thought she was a two for a really <laughs> long time. So I'll get it started, but then Anna, I'm going to um, defer to you to kind of tell us your experience as a mistyped, or I guess you're a mistyped nine. So the twos are helpers. They live and love to help. The stereotype always associated with twos is like, they're never going to show up anywhere without a casserole or <laughs> some sort of, they are yeah. the hostess with the mostess. That's how they express their love. That's how they show their people their love is by being helpful, by putting people's needs, putting other people's needs first before their own. But then what this can turn into or what this can look like is kind of a disconnect within a two if they're not aware of it or they're not working on themselves or they don't see these behavior patterns, they might become dependent on helping people to maintain the strength in their relationships or maintain the control in their relationships. Sometimes it can become a little manipulative, like I need you to need me to help you sort of situation. Another thing I want to say about twos as well is that this is not backed by any sort of statistics, but I feel like two is the number that people mistype themselves as the most. I feel like so many people see themselves in the two and then realize they're actually something else. So I was I was having a conversation with a friend about this this week where she believes she's a two and I'm like, yeah, that would totally make sense. Like you're a healer. You are super warm. You create space so naturally. Like I totally can see you as a two. But the thing is, especially in our society where women are told to be so helpful, to be so nurturing, a lot of times, especially women can kind of see 
their behavior, see themselves in the two when they might actually be another type. So it's something to consider with the two. I just see it all the time where people think they're a two, but then they're actually something else because I think this idea of like being helpful is just so present in our society and people can connect to it really quickly. But then there's so many people out there that are beautiful twos. There are actual twos out there who are our helpers and our healers and they're so lovely and we need them. (laughs) Yes. So Anna, walk us through kind of what led you to identifying with the type two and then maybe how you kind of realized you actually weren't a type two. Yeah. So type twos and type nines, depending on your subtypes and which wing you lean into more often, they can look really similar. And this is true of just about any type that you pair. I could give you a justification for why a seven might look like a nine or a five might look like a nine. Yeah, absolutely. Again, with the Enneagram, it's about why you're doing the things that you're doing. So I mistyped myself as a two because If you look at what the wound is for a nine, so the child wound for a nine is I learned that the way that I received love was by taking up less space. So I am the oldest of three. My mom growing up traveled a ton for work, or at least that's what my child self perceived it to be. (laughs) And so there was a lot of weight put on keeping everything steady in the house. And my younger siblings are awesome, but have had some high maintenance needs. I love you both if you're listening. (laughs) I often saw myself in the role of needing to kind of step up and help. So I think Mm. I tended to take on a lot of the qualities of a two. But the reason I did it was to reduce the load on other people, to reduce the tension, to maintain safety for myself and therefore maintain love. And in the Honest Enneagram, there was a really good quote. It talked about how twos tend to see the world as a sea of emotional temperatures, picking up on the energy that people are sharing and then adjusting their own behavior to meet the needs they perceive in the room. I think this is a really beautiful commonality between the twos and the nines. Super empathic, super oriented to observing the energies for different reasons. Twos want to serve, nines want to avoid conflict. So the way that I realized I was not a two was because I was feeling so much shame and guilt over being like what I consider to be the world's worst two. Which is not the point of the Enneagram. The point of the Enneagram is not to feel shame about who you are. Definitely not. But yes, I would totally help a friend in need. But I wouldn't, it wasn't something that I thought about all the time. It wasn't like I was going out and saying, oh, what can I do to serve my friends today? Or what can I do to serve my family today? I was so much happier being home alone by myself. That's a happy place for me. Put me in my studio, leave me be. So I think that's kind of a really cool way to see that two different types can outwardly be perceived to be very, very similar. But on the inside, it's a totally different reason, a totally different fear, a totally different hope, a totally different anxiety pattern. You can be many, many different types and present the same way. Yes, absolutely. Like every single type can procrastinate. But just because you procrastinate doesn't mean you're a nine who's the type that typically gets stereotyped as the (laughs) procrastinator. I'm a huge procrastinator and I'm not a type nine. I thought I was a type nine for a while, but I'm actually not a type nine. (laughs) I feel like you have so much more of a connection to the two, but you're not actually like if we look at your Enneagram chart, you're not actually connected to two at all. Correct me if I'm wrong. No, because your lines would go to three and six and your wings are one and eight and you wouldn't be in the same 
any of the same triads or anything. So no, or like the gut, mm-hmm. head, whatever. Like I'm not even in the no. same grouping there. No. Whereas I actually am connected to type two. This was part of what helped me see my fourness was I had to be really honest with myself about what I do when I'm like really melting down, (laughs) which I don't feel like happens too, too often. But like when it does, it's like, okay, I think back. Oh, gosh, I was so needy. I was so in some cases manipulative. Oh, my gosh. A lot of the unhealthy two energy. I don't think I, I lean into it too often, which is good. But like I had to be really honest with myself. Okay, yep, that makes sense. That tracks. I can see that. But it was helpful for me because now when I really start to feel like I'm not expressing my needs, I'm not getting my needs met or maybe the like helpfulness balances off in a relationship, I can start to recognize when that's happening and when it's starting to cross my boundaries or upset me so that I don't turn into that really unhealthy too. (laughs) I also suspect that my sister is a self-preservation too. And it's really interesting to kind of track back her personal history to see how she became that. So she spent a lot of time with my elderly grandparents who needed a lot of help. We lived on a family farm. She would go and like do their laundry when she was nine years old and make their grocery lists. And my grandmother would get root beer just because Abby liked root beer floats. If she went to grandma and grandpa's house and took care of them, she was rewarded with love and treats. When you talk about how you really identify yourself as a type, how you find out if you've mistyped, going back to that childhood wound is a really good place to start. Yes, that has been big for me. I'll I'll save that for the type four episode, but... Woof. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So let's talk about our cards. Let's start with the Empress. I think the Empress was probably one of the easiest cards for us to type. And for me, the Empress reminds me of the Emperor with type one in that the Empress itself, you just look at the card, you know, it's going to look different depending on your deck, obviously. But like you think about the meaning of the Empress and the visuals associated with the empress and it's very easy to just naturally associate it with type two but in addition to that the messages from the empress card are still messages that the two needs to hear and that's what i think makes this card really powerful just like how the emperor can really embody that one energy and at the same time ones need to hear the messages from that card yeah so the empress upright really represents divine femininity. She is the ultimate feminine of the entire deck. This card represents creativity and fertility of mind, body, spirit, motherhood, empathy, unconditional love. Like she is all of that beautiful feminine energy that we often see in our lovely twos. Yes. And that can exist in any human. Does not matter your gender identity. That energy can present and exist in any human being. Just wanted to throw that out there. Oh, yes. I know. When we say masculine or feminine, it's never about man and woman. Yes. Very important. Which, if you're listening to this podcast, you probably, you probably jive with us on that. So yeah, looking at my cards for the Empress, one of them is very clearly pregnant, although her belly is painted as if it's a globe. 
And the other is this beautiful, strong empress with one of her breasts exposed to show that fertility. But also she has a white tiger and a monkey on this card with her, representing the strength and the intelligence that can come along with that divine feminine. Oh, interesting. Mine has this white dog and then this cat that's just loving its life. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, there's so much symbolism in these cards. Mm -hmm. We could probably talk an entire episode on the beauty of tarot symbolism. In my Empress card in the background, there's a couple of apple trees. I assume they're apples. They look like apples. And they're in full bloom and there's all these fruit. And so that, again, represents that nature of abundance, no pun intended, abundance and growth and gifts almost in the sense of providing nourishment, nutrients, love, energy, all that good stuff that our twos are so eager and willing to give to others, which is beautiful as long as it's healthy. And they're getting that love in return, which brings us to the messages of this card. Yes, because in the reverse, it's basically all of that beautiful feminine energy blocked. It speaks to infertility, um, being emotionally overwhelmed, either shutting down or giving away too much of your power, being too dependent on others, unhealthily leaning into your masculine energy. And we can see that in a lot of twos, especially the giving away your power situation. Like when twos are at their best, you are that beautiful upright. When you are in stress, you can slip into those low sides often without even realizing it. And it's really interesting because twos go to eight when they're in stress And eights can rely much more heavily on their masculine energy. If you know a two, sometimes when they are in stress, they will go really strong on like directing you on how to do something or they'll kind of take over whatever the project is or that kind of thing. That control aspect. Absolutely. So this card, when it's in its reverse aspect, asks us to reflect on what we need in that moment. So twos are not very good at asking for what they need because they always want to be giving other people what they need. So a two might deny their own self-care in favor of trying to push out more help into the world, trying to earn love. And again, you are beautiful just the way you are. You do not have to earn your love. You are loved exactly for who you are. So in its reverse aspect, it really says, take a minute. Take a deep breath and look inward. Take care of the needs that you are living with because you can't pour from an empty cup. And I think this is a really good example, this message that Anna's talking about of recognizing your signs of needing more compassion for yourself, more self-care, prioritizing your needs. That's something that any human should prioritize and work on. That is something that every human should spend the time to unpack and recognize in themselves, when am I starting to not take care of myself? When am I starting to let my boundaries get crossed? When am I starting to not put my needs first and I'm starting to unravel and it's affecting the people around me? That's something that everyone can sit with, which again is why, number one, I love the Enneagram and I love learning about all the types of the Enneagram because there's lessons and messages for everyone from every type. And number two, 
that's why I love unpacking these messages from the tarot cards, because even if you are not a type two, especially if you're pulling the Empress card, if you have your own deck and you're doing your own spreads, this is a really good way to think about, okay, what is the Empress card reminding me to do? And what can I do moving forward to help infuse some of that self-care and love in my life, whether I'm a two or not? And then I just want to quickly acknowledge like... (laughs) from the outside perspective is not a two hearing all of this. I just, I just have so much love and appreciation for the people out there. If it's you or someone, you know, who's a type two where prioritizing yourself can feel like going against your core need and your core wound. I just want to take a minute and acknowledge how heavy that is. And for our healthy twos out there, like just applauding you and just celebrating you for the work that you've done to balance this kind of inner dialogue in your head. And it could be a battle of, I need to help others so that I feel loved, so that I feel complete, so that I feel like myself. This is how I understand the world with okay, it feels like I'm going against what is my natural instinct, but I'm going to take care of myself first. That is just so huge. And I'm not a type two, but I just am feeling that right now. And I'm like, wow, props to you. Like I'm celebrating you if you know, if you're doing that work and when you're able to do that. And I'm also out there just extending love to the twos that are still in this process of figuring it out because we all are we're all on our own journey figuring this out and just this sounds really hard (laughs) and there are some ways that you can do some of this work in a way that feels aligned to who you are so one of the practices that i love to advise twos to consider is going a little crazy in your own mind We've all got different voices in our head, different personalities who exist within us. They are my friends. There might be. (laughs) I know. I'm like, we all all get a little crazy up there sometimes. So one of the things that I love to offer to a two is what could you do to take care of your inner child as if she was a completely separate person from you? And if you've done any inner child work, this might feel really familiar and good. If you haven't done inner child work, stick around because we're probably going to do at least a couple of interviews with some people we love who do this really, really well. But take care of yourself as if you are two separate beings. There's the you who is all up in your head thinking all the thoughts. And then there's the little girl inside of you who is begging for a day with sunshine on your face and puppies running around in the backyard. There is a little girl in you who wants to get paint all over her hands. When we had talked back in episode two with type one, we had talked about some embodiment practices. So practice something similar. Think of times when you have been at your most healthy, times when you have felt like you had balance, you were taking care of yourself and you were taking care of others. Where did that feel in your body? What parts of your body were triggered in that feeling? How did it feel? And then likewise, when you were time when you have you recognized that you were giving away too much of your own power. Where did that feel in your body? How did it feel? So that next time you slip into that slope where you're headed down towards a bad space, you can notice it and be like, okay, I guess it's time to take the little girl inside of me on a date because she's awesome and she needs some love right now. You are the one who can give her the best forms of love. So on that note of love, let's talk about the lover's card. Mm, Yes. So this card is one that tends to give me some trouble in readings. I think we all have our own stories in 
can affect how we read tarot. The lovers to me sometimes gets a little fuzzy on the interpretation, but essentially it's about pairings, whether that's romantic, friendship, even the pairings within yourself, the the duality of life, the acknowledgement that there is both good and bad in all of us. Upright, it tends to be about the harmony in those dualities, choosing to allow yourself to love fully, have healthy boundaries, be committed in your relationships, communication. Reverse, it's all of the challenging opposite energies, so disharmony, needing to really understand how you love yourself before you enter into relationships, losing yourself in relationships, being manipulative, being codependent, having that inner conflict of, should I be caring more? Should I be doing more? Why would anyone love me if I can't even figure out my own shit? All of that is really captured in the reverse lovers. Yeah, I'm like sitting here processing this card because I feel like there's a lot in this card that I struggle with. There's a quote from the Honest Enneagram um, by Sarah Jane Case that says, neglecting your needs is actually hurting your relationships. And I'm like, ugh, (laughs) I just feel that. That's heavy. And just if you are out there and you are like me, where sometimes it can just feel easier to not voice your opinion, to voice your needs, to bring up something that's hurt you or upset you or bothered you or a time when your boundaries been crossed because you just feel like it's going to be easier for your relationships to not do that. Number one, I'm right there with you. And number two, it can just... It's kind of almost like the story I told at the beginning of this episode with the purgatory of you're stuck in bed and something could be so much better if you just got out of bed and you got the extra blanket or you got out of bed to get the drink of water or you whatever. But you're like, I'm comfortable here enough, so I'm just going to stay here. That's kind of what this message about the duality of needing to prioritize our own needs in order to benefit the greater good, being ourself, being our relationships. That's kind of what it reminds me of, of like sometimes it can feel comfortable to just stay in the purgatory of I know there's something I could do to make this better, but I'm comfortable enough here. And I'm using air quotes because you're not actually comfortable. You just haven't mustered up whatever it is that you need to muster up to do the hard thing to reach that better goal. And it's really tempting for twos to give and give and give and give and then resent when other people don't do the same back to you. And so the lover's reverse can really talk to that dynamic, feeling like you've earned something from someone else. And if they don't give it to you, it feels like there must be something wrong, either with you or the relationship. So my plea to the twos is remember that not everyone in the world is a two. You might enter into a relationship with a seven who is like, let's go have fun. Let's go do all the fun things. None of the sad stuff. And when you're giving and giving and giving and taking care of them, they're off going on an adventure. And you're like, well, I made all the snacks for the adventure. Why aren't you thanking me? (laughs) And they express love in different ways. Really be open to giving without the expectation that someone else will be changing how they behave because you are giving to them. And it brings up what I've been really learning a lot about recently, which is codependent relationships. You know, if you kind of let it slide and let it go too far and you're not 
using that awareness of everyone expresses love and everyone expresses their needs and everyone has different needs. Everyone expresses them in a different way. I can see this in twos. If it goes too far or if you're in that unhealthy energy, developing that give and take codependent relationship. Anna said earlier, eventually the bubble's going to pop. Eventually something is going to happen where the two realizes hey, I'm putting in all this giving energy and I like doing that because that's how I operate in the world. That's how I build my relationships. That's how I connect with people. That's how I receive love. But why do I feel like I'm not getting it back? Why do I feel like people are just taking from me for better or for worse? And I say this with so much love because in some ways I'm like, there's a part of me that's like, it's not fair that you have to like do all this boundary work, but it is so important to kind of make sure that that helper in you stays healthy and, you know, isn't beaten down by crossed boundaries or manipulative relationships or codependent relationships. And there are a couple of questions that I would offer to our twos to start doing more of this work. First of all, what needs are you neglecting? I was actually advised by one of my coaches a long time ago to ask myself this question. I literally set an alarm on my phone that said, what do you need? And every day it would go off at noon. Every time the alarm went off, I had to answer the question and then give myself what I needed. And it was so funny to notice when my need would be, I need to go to the bathroom. I need a snack. I need to smell some fresh air for a minute. I need to stop looking at my screen for five minutes and to actually give myself what I needed. What it did was it rebuilt the trust I needed to have with myself. It rebuilt the belief that I could rely on myself to fulfill my own needs. So that little girl inside of me who desperately needed help, she started to trust the big Anna more. I was going to be there for her. And I think that's a really beautiful lesson for any of us to learn. Again, I'm not a two, but I needed to learn this lesson that I could rely on myself to give me what I needed because you can't guarantee the behaviors of others. You can't guarantee that what you give in a relationship, you will receive back in full. Set an alarm on your phone that says, what do I need? Answer the question and do the damn thing. And then if you need something from someone else, communicate that to them. I can see this in a lot of relationships, including my family. I say this with love where it all just like boils over at a point and we're left looking around like, wait, what? We didn't know that you needed us to do this. We didn't know that this needed to happen. I see this as a something that might be specific to the two, but I think this can happen in any relationship, especially families, where it, why didn't you just know that I needed you to do this like really specific cleaning task that I never noticed and <laughs> never realized was like a thing that people needed? Nobody told me. That's my sister's catchphrase. Um, nobody told me. There's definitely a balance. There, you, We can't just like... I'm like saying this to me as the sometimes self-absorbed four. We can't just walk around not paying attention to other people's needs. But at the same time, especially if a need's not being met, it sucks. But you might just need to have an upfront conversation with the other person. And if they're there for you, if they care about your well-being, they're going to respond well. 
especially if you come from a place of love, not exploding all over them, which I think is what I've observed of the lovely twos in my life, that sometimes they hold it in, hold it in, hold it in, hold it in, explode all over you. And you're like caught off guard by by their passion and their frustration. You're like, I thought we were good. Nobody told me. I understand. (laughs) So, yes. Recognize what your needs are. Practice it. Write it in a journal. Get comfortable with identifying your needs because I think that's a really easy thing for a two to forget to do. You're really good at recognizing the needs of others often before they even know they have a need themselves. Mm -hmm. You're the one who holds out a tissue when someone is sniffling. They're like, oh, thank you. I wasn't even looking yet. (laughs) And, you know, hold the tissue out for yourself. Maybe we killed that metaphor, but you know what we mean. You really want to be able to be reflective in that. And then the other practice that I would love to offer to our twos is exploring some self-love practices. The reason we call these practices is because it's not going to be something that you're perfect at or that it's easy right away. This might be really hard at first. It might be really hard to carve out time in your day when you would rather be doing laundry for other people and cooking meals for your friend who just had a baby and all the things that you lovely, lovely twos do to take care of us. Take a minute and schedule in time to love on yourself, whether that is a bubble bath, a long solo walk with your dog, ordering a new beautiful deck of tarot cards on Amazon, like whatever it is that feels like self-love for you schedule time and make it a priority. Make it something that is non-negotiable. Yeah. And I want to just highlight something that Anna said earlier that I think I just found really beautiful and I think is something that all of us can do as well. Thinking of the different versions of yourself that are still within you that make you who you are today, the loving adult that you are today, and that inner child. I personally believe and work with the theory that there are multiple inner children from the different points of your life. Think about them as people in you that have needs and taking care of them is taking care of you. So what does that inner child say? What does that inner child need? You can look at pictures if you have pictures available of yourself from your past and it's not like triggering or traumatizing to look at them for any reason. If you have toys from your past that you can connect with or just memories and writing them down and play have fun find something that's fun for you so that you can connect with that inner child or inner children inside of you and take care of them so that you can take care of you because you deserve it yes hands down all right so that wraps up our enneagram two with our empress and our lovers next week we will be back with our type threes yes and we're going to be talking about the temperance card the judgment card and the world card for our threes so super exciting you've been listening to intuitive adulting with anna and kendall To hear new episodes, subscribe on your podcasting platform of choice. If you're feeling extra saucy, leave us a review. For fun extras, more conversation, and to be a member of our Intuitive Adulting family, follow us on Instagram at intuitive.adulting. Catch you in the next episode.